welcomes sleuths, suspects, and witnesses. This is day three of the raucous thing we call the February Virtual Book Festival. Uh, if you haven't tuned in for the first two days, this might be a little bit of a shock to you. Um, we're going to have a really, really fun time. Um, we're, our, our theme this time around is the theft of the missing manuscript. Um, we have a great mystery game we're in the middle of playing. If you haven't um, been indoctrinated to the game yet, go back and check the replays. Lots of things to catch up on. Um, so tonight, I'm going to remind you of our schedule just so that we can keep on time. I want to be respectful of everybody's time. This is what we're doing as close to it as I can get. And just another reminder, February 14th, um, we're all indulging in brownie and other wonderful things not being here. So um, if you go to the scavenger hunt doors on the website, you'll notice it simply says happy Valentine's Day. There's no riddle for that day. Um, but for the rest of the month, there are riddles every day, sometimes two, sometimes three. Um, so let's, let's get right into the most important part of the evening, as far as I'm concerned, and that is our author readings. Um, the biggest function of this festival, yes, we play games, and yes, we have fun, and we laugh a lot. But the most important thing is that we get to share books with you from indie authors. And we have some amazing authors to share with you tonight. Chloe Holiday, all the way from Washington State, the other side of the country. And Betty Brant Pasick. And remind me, Betty, where you're from, middle of the state country, right? I'm in Oakdale, Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh. See, we've got people from all over the world here. Um, wow. It's, it's so much fun, so much fun. So tonight we are going to start with a reading from Chloe Holiday. She's going to read from A Boy and His Dog. Can you grab that and show it to the camera just real quick so everybody sees it? Can you see it or is it too bright? I can't tell. There you go. A Boy go. and His Dog is the name of the title of that one. And um, Chloe, you've played this game before. When you are ready, please take the microphone and read aloud. Okay. We'll start as the heroine finishes a medical outreach event. At 3.30, the organizer packed up and shooed Joanna, Clay, and Hope out. Want to get a pizza? Joanne asked. A truce between rivals? I'd love to, but I've got to run home and take care of baby before my shift starts. I'm working the ER from five till 11. Hope would do whatever it took for baby to have a great life. He'd been through so much and he'd already been so good for her. Someone to talk to, a reason to get out instead of collapsing on the couch. The jingle of his collar as he shook after his nap welcomed her home after each shift. I'm on tonight too, Clay said. Perfect timing. Dr. Chen, the department chair, is the attending. He smiled as if it were a done deal, wowing the man who'd decide who got the coveted spot. We'll see. Hope smiled and rushed home to her dog. Baby jumped and pranced, wagging and her tension eased. Her missing ID lay beneath the kitchen chair. Let me clean up and we'll take a quick walk. 
She was about to jump in the shower when her cell rang. Dr. Hernandez, you left your stethoscope here. I dropped it off at Lost and Found, so you can pick it up tomorrow. Crap. If she couldn't even keep track of her ID and stethoscope, what other mistakes might she make? And now she was short on time. Should she use the cheap throwaway stethoscopes they'd have in the ER? No, she needed her Littman cardiology scope to have a chance to hear a subtle, a subtle murmur. And it was important for this audition to look the part, competent and serious. Well, so much for walking baby. Good intentions weren't enough. He'd pay for her mistake. Hope sighed. I need it tonight. Can I get it now? Yes, if you get here soon. They close at five. Hope's jaw tightened. That booth was halfway to the expo hall, and it was already almost 4.30. But if she took her ID, she wouldn't get grief from Officer Calloway or any other self-important guard on a power trip. Okay, baby, change your plans. We're going for a ride. Not much time together, but maybe he wouldn't feel so abandoned tonight. She parked at the venue, flashed her ID at the gate, and breezed in, baby a model citizen beside her. Good boy, a quick trip to Lost and Found and we'll be out of here. Beside her, Baby stopped. He lifted his nose and wagged, faster and faster. Yelping, he yanked the leash from her hand and tore away at a dead run. Reunion. At 16.30, Grant trudged away from the gate for his break, rolling his tight neck. His mouth twisted at his new nickname, Officer D.B., for diaper bag, a far cry from Voodoo Calloway, bestowed by his unit for his skill at render-safe procedures, and his dog, Mojo. Grant was starving, but living in his pickup meant he couldn't really keep anything close to hand, not in this heat, so he was surviving on festival food until he could get a place to stay. Heat radiated from the blacktop as he crossed toward the grassy area near the food vendors, trying to decide about dinner. Pizza or another damned hot dog? Those were cheapest, but if he never ate another one, it would be too soon. But it wasn't the cuisine that irked him. Grant could put up with the bullshit from the job, but he was starting to worry about finding Mojo. Despite all his legwork, the flyers and ads, he'd gotten nothing. Nada. Yet someone in Bear Creek had called the facility at Lackland with Mojo's microchip. Had he been hurt passing through, and he and his new owner were long gone? If this lead petered out, what then? He gritted his teeth and walked across the blacktop toward the hot dog stand. His only warning was a happy yelp. A familiar yelp. Grant's heart thudded hard. It can't be. He barely turned in time to see a furry missile launch straight for his chest. Mojo! The dog knocked him on his ass, a blur of whining, yelping canine. Grant's sunglasses hit the pavement, licked off by the exuberant dog, who leapt and danced with joy. His heart seized up, too small for the happiness that exploded in his chest. Mojo! Laughing, Grant struggled to regain his feet against the onslaught, trying in vain to wrap his arms around his buddy, who jumped and pranced. Mojo wriggled and cried. So did Grant, tears spilling before he could stop them. Hey, Mojo, 
He swallowed and crouched, burying his face in the thick, soft ruff. It's good to see you, boy. All the hassle, all the months alone, it was worth it for this, together again. The dog spun again, and the world slammed back into place. Passersby had gathered to watch. Fumbling for his sunglasses, Grant intercepted Mojo's next foray and grabbed the leash. He swiped his sleeve over his eyes, slipped on his shades, and stood. Dogfight. Baby, come! Hope sprinted after him. Had he seen a cat? She lost sight of him and blundered along in his wake. My dog! Did you see my dog? Finally, she spotted a black-tipped caramel tail waving in front of a kneeling man security across his back. Thank God he'd snagged baby's leash. Hope slowed, gasping for breath. The man bent over the dog, arms locked around Tawny's fur as if to physically restrain him. Maybe he had to. Baby licked his face and neck, tail a blur. Weird. She rushed to her dog. Oh, thank you. Hope took the leash and hugged baby as the man rose. At the edge of her vision, the guard blotted his face with his sleeve, then slipped on sunglasses still holding the end of the leash. Her cheeks heated with mortification at the thought of dog saliva all over him. What were you thinking, baby? You scared me to death. Hands on either side of his muzzle, she exclaimed, You can't run off like that. Baby? The guy cleared his throat. You named him Baby? His voice radiated incredulous scorn. How was that his business? She swung to face him, and her retort died on her lips. A strong jaw shattered by heavy stubble. Mirrored shades hid his bold brown eyes, but not the arrogant tilt to his head. Crap! Of all the wannabe cops here, it had to be him. Would he cite her for having an uncontrolled dog? She was already going to be late. I'm sorry, Officer Calloway. Baby's new to me, and I was distracted. Baby, he repeated, voice flat. The dog wagged at hearing his name. Calloway's snort, accompanied by a head shake, made his opinion clear. Hope tugged the lead. Come on, baby. He didn't move, and she clenched the leash tighter, flustered by her dog's poor behavior and galled by a witness especially this witness. Do we have a problem here? She asked the guard. Calloway barked a terse laugh. Yeah, you could say that, he growled. This is my dog. Thank you. Yay! <laughs> Congratulations, you made it through our eight-minute timer. Yay. <laughs> we have so much to do. I, I, I'm trying to squeeze as much as I can into everybody, so um, that's why I've got the timer going. Well done, Chloe. Thank you so much for that reading. And my now pleasure. I've just added another book to my TBR. Thanks. <laughs> did, you, did you audio record that? The, uh, the is there an audiobook? Yes. And did you do it? I did. I, I use good. a I use a pen tongue because there's some um, blowback. I guess some monotonous um, writers have done audio and people hate it. But but yeah, I did. 
Very nice I, reading. Very oh, nice. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you. Lovely. Just love okay. it. Love it. Betty, you. you are up next, my dear. This is Betty Brant Pasek, and she is going to be reading from her book, The Gangster um, in Our Midst. This is a fun book. I read this. It's really fun. There it is. There's the cover. See that? There you go. All right. So, Betty, you have eight minutes. Please, when you are ready, take the microphone and read aloud. You have to turn your microphone on first. Betty, you have to turn your microphone. There you go. Can everybody hear me? Yep. Go right ahead. Yes, with your reading. All right. So this book is Gangster in Our Midst. It's the first book in my gangster series. And it tells the true story of um, one of Al Capone's gangsters that came to my small town in Iowa in the 1920s. It opens, the chapter is called Three Fingers, which is the name of the gangster. He's reading a newspaper at the uh, kitchen table. It's about uh, dated July 1st, 1928. It says Frank Yale was found slumped over the wheel of his new Lincoln near his New York home, gunned down by four men in a black Nash sedan, dispensing 143 caliber bullets into his car. The police found Yale's diamond ring and his belt buckle, his 32 still in his coat pocket. He had double-crossed Capone, the automatic revolver and sawed-off shotgun inside the car were identified as belonging to Capone. When police reached Capone, he said he was on vacation in Florida at the time. From the kitchen table, Louis LaCava heard the timid knock at the front door of the O'Malley house. He'd gotten out of the habit of answering the door, any door, ever since 24, when a car exploded in front of his Chicago duplex. That day, the raps on the door had been furious, demanding. He opened it slightly, and finding no one there, ran out onto the sidewalk, eyeing the street up and down in search of the caller. That's when the bomb went off 100 feet away, knocking him to the ground, fire raining down upon him, the day he knew his cover was blown as an anonymous cigar salesman. The knocking persisted. He was the only one at home. Shortly after sunrise, his brother-in-law, Lawrence O'Malley, had caught a freight train at the depot a block from the house that took him to his switchman job at the CGW yards in Owine, a larger town about 10 miles east of Oxbow. Later, he delivered his sister-in-law, Mary O'Malley, and his wife, Jess, to their sister, Rose, and brother-in-law, Joe Levendusky's farm near Independence for the day. Louis looked up from the pile of receipts on the table, laid down the pencil, and quietly pushed back the chair, avoiding the floorboards that notoriously squeaked he stole, as he stole across the living room floor to the bay window. He peered out into the open porch through the thin space between the window frame and drapery. It was that scrawny kid, Emmett Durham, who delivered the Des Moines paper, probably here to collect. He turned the key in the lock and wrenched the door ajar while canvassing the area around, the, around and past the boy. Good morning, Mr. LaCava, Emmett said. I'm glad I caught you at home. Been delivering the Sunday paper regular. You're a few weeks behind in payment. Would you like to take care of this or should I come back and collect from the O'Malley? 
Louis rolled the stump of the smoking cigar with his tongue to one corner of his mouth and swung open the door by two thirds. Sure you don't wait to see Lincoln parked in front of the house before you knock at the door, Louis said. No, Mr. LaCava, honest, I don't, Emmett said. What's your dad Francis up to? Ask if he wants to go for a drive again some night. We talk about it at the tavern this afternoon when play cards. I will, Emmett said. Louis watched the boy tear a long perforated section from a ticket dangling from the silver ring he held in one hand. He grabbed the strip from the boy and discarded it on the lamp table near the door, then reached with his right hand in, into his pants pocket to haul out a handful of coins. He selected a silver dollar and flipped it to the boy. The toss caught Emmett by surprise. The coin bounced off the tips of his fingers and onto the weathered porch floor. The kid waited for the coin to stop rolling and bent over to pick it up. Looks like you have future as outfielder with the Cubs, Louis said. Ah, Mr. LaCava, the Cubbies are going to come back and win the World Series again one of these years, Emmett said as he descended the porch steps leading to the narrow stone sidewalk where Louis Lincoln was parked. Tell your friends I take you... Tell your friends I take you to the movies Saturday night. Anyone who wished to go, Louis said. Thanks, Mr. LaCava, Emmett said, scrutinizing the Lincoln interior as he passed by. And Louis surmised, probably wondering what it was like to ride in a car with an L-head V8 engine. Louis shut and locked the front door. On the way to the kitchen, the wall telephone sounded. The O'Malley ring was two longs and one short. He lifted the receiver to his ear with one hand and adjusted the hinged mouthpiece with the other. I have a call from Mr. G in Chicago for Luigi, the operator said. Speaking, Louis said, waiting for the connection to be made. Three fingers, Luigi, how you doing back in Iowa? Boss said I'd find you at this number, the voice, the voice in the receiver said. Louis knew the caller as Jake, greasy thumb Guzik. He'd been Capone's sidekick ever since Capone discovered his gift as treasurer and financial wizard in the Torrio Capone days. It was an insult to have to deal with Guzik, Louis thought, a man incapable of killing even a fly. Boss wishes me to inform you he's sending a familiar face your way first of next week. Find a nice place for him to hole up a few days while you conduct some business. And he says he's waiting for your monthly report. Wants to know if it will be on time. Getting pressure from the owners, you understand. Also, double, trick, double and triple check the numbers so all the percentages are right, Gusick said. Thanks, Jake the Jew, Louis said. I know you don't care for that name either. Assure the boss report will be done on time, unlike some, and I get and I will get room for guests. And tell the boss may have I may have a new booze market for him in Oxville. We'll be in touch with Nitty if it's worth his time. Oh, and another thing, Guzik said. Boss says after the meeting next week you should hightail it back. Something big is in the works. Louis hung up the receiver and sat back down at the table, his mind in a cloud of incredul incredulity. All this happening too soon after Frankie Yale's killing, he thought. Police finding guns in Yale's car bought by Capone will bring heat for a long time. Kazada. 
Chicago police still in revolt over the McSwiggin murder, and he'd not even seen the guy he was after. Suppose the visitor coming to Oxbow is followed by goons from New York or the feds. The boss could be putting Jess and family in jeopardy, but Al Brown or whatever he called himself now is probably chomping at the bit to get back to business and no one disappoints the boss. He felt the sting of an old wound. Old injuries bleed at the slightest touch he found. In 24, he first went to work for Capone and ended up fleeing for his life. 12 months later, he was back in Capone's employment. Now he divided his time between three gambling establishments, giving daily updates to Capone, Jake Gusick, Ralph Capone, and Frank Nitti on bets placed over the wire and depositing daily receipts into the boss's bank account. Over time, Jess's interrogations became unrelenting and he confessed to working for Capone. I do Capone's books, but only for the good side of his business. All the millions he gives to care his charities, he had told her, but Capone was no Robin Hood. And by then he'd resumed fixing other things for the boss too. His mind flicked back to Lawrence O'Malley's fiasco from earlier that morning. Mary, Jess, and he had watched from the kitchen window as Lawrence waited for the rattler on the depot platform, his stance that of a defeated man. During breakfast, Lawrence spoke of new railroad executive threats of furloughs and cut wages. It hadn't helped when the government took over the railroad business during the Great War, but the misery really began with President Harding's anti-labor attitude that brought strikes in the early 20s. Louis mulled over the idea of speaking to Lawrence about getting into the business. Bootlegging with Joe Levandusky was another option. Surely Nitty could send some business Joe's way. That Yay! seems like a good place to stop. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Super fun book. Um, I'm looking forward to reading um, the next book in this series. And I know that you're going to be reading the next book later for us in the month as well. So we're very excited about that. Thank you very much, Chloe Holiday, for reading A Boy and His Dog, and Betty Pasick for reading A Gangster in Our Midst. Now, as you all know, the time has come. It is now time to turn your microphones on because we have a mystery to solve. The mystery of the missing manuscript. Who took it and why? We have eight suspects in the room. Chloe Holiday, a mysterious character. Melinda Falgo, a researcher. Uh, Ruby Fink, a psychic. Andrew Allen Smith, an historical author. Amy Kelso, who is our head librarian. Marianne Wheeland, who is the cafe manager. Jules Nelson is our library director, and Deborah Reed is our intrepid reporter. So we need to start in the interrogations. Ladies and gentlemen, you have 15 minutes. Go. Oh my gosh, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on. 
two whole days of you guys making more <laughs> conversation than I can keep track of, and now nobody has anything to say? I got something We did that as a gag. Betty's got her hand up. So you guys I do. Amy. Me. You're frightening me here. Okay, Betty, go ahead. Ask your question. Amy. Yes. Amy, tell me what the size of this manuscript is. You know, it's the size of a book. It's small enough to fit in Melinda's bag. Um, <laughs> big enough to obviously be missed when somebody puts this in place of it. That's all I can tell you about the size. That's it. <laughs> Carrie, go ahead. I have a question. Is In the last one, is Amy, that you had kicked Melinda out of the library. How did she get back in? Well, why don't you ask uh, Miss... Nelson, yeah. what she is doing and back in. Trust me, it was not my choice. Mr. Miss Nelson, how did she get back in? Well, she was very convincing about how sorry she was. And then um, she made a sizable donation to the library. So, oh, <laughs> oh, oh so how the truth comes oh, out. People can go. be bribed. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Interesting. An was interesting move, Miss Melinda. <laughs> I like that. I like it. Was, was that before or after well, she took the book out? That um, well, before she <laughs> after she took it out the first time, at least. Mm -hmm. Jules, didn't she make? Didn't she make? I know of one time for sure you did. I don't know about a second. Jules, I I recall that Melinda made two. You should check your records. I believe Melinda made two very nice donations to the library. You'll have to double check your ledger, but that's what I remember you telling me when well, we that first sat down like to talk about this. Covering up for you know something because they don't want to look guilty. Mm. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, money talks, right? Yes. And nefarious stuff is covered by money. Often. Mm -hmm. Emma, you had a question. Go ahead. For Melinda, how much have you donated and why? <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. I'd have to look back into my checkbook ledger for that. That's but they were very reasonable donations because some people would just not listen to reason. And so, yes, as someone so succinctly put it, money talks. <laughs> the way, if I am just throwing money around, as Miss Kelso would have everybody believe, to get back into the library to look at the sardonic manuscript, why would I take an expensive book like that? Could probably just buy it outright <laughs> because you can't get a hold of it anywhere except perhaps this library or we used to be the only place you could get a hold of it now who knows where you could get a hold of it you were because it's missing <laughs> mm -hmm. and i must point out money talks and nobody should be talking in the library even money <laughs> oh yes they do <laughs> oh my god <laughs> not even with your money <laughs> nope 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 no Mark is not God. the only thing that talks with her. Bad mouth. Oh my God. <laughs> her and Mark Ruby. Mark and throw that reporter in there. Oh my God. Yeah. Mark yes. McCraw, what's your question? Uh, question for the director. Is this library a single floor or is it two floors? Um, it is a single floor, I think. 
messages. I've only let worked me, here for three years, so let me help. Let me help Jules with that. Um, we we really have nothing to say about that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh. <laughs> mm hmm. Because because if there was a second floor, it could be upstairs. Mm. But we have nothing to say about that. Yeah. Mm. Go ahead, Deborah. So, you know, I'm not one to stir up trouble or anything. Doing that at all. Um, but I will say that, you know, we've noticed that Chloe is just really quiet all the time. And, you know, I was sitting next to her trying to work and I noticed that, you know, she might've been sitting at the computer, but she wasn't actually doing anything. And she left for a while and then came back and she seemed kind of, I don't know, frustrated. And, you know, I just kind of think that maybe that should be looked at a little bit closer. Now, was that the day of this disappearance? Yes, very because much so. That's interesting because I actually saw Chloe leave the section where this book was stashed um, at, during that day. Now, I didn't see her holding anything, but I did see her leave that section. So it makes me kind of wonder. Yeah, well, with a small library like this, you know, any direction um might encompass a fair amount of the collection i'm afraid um, are you insulting was, my library no no i i i like the library it's it's i i love to visit um new libraries when i travel um mm. as far you steal as the, from all of them oh no oh no <laughs> Um, no, and and uh, yeah, I'm not sure that's um, a very uh, fair accusation. It is true that I came to work um, there at the library, but it was it was um, it was a little distracting because someone kept taking a picture of their screen and a picture of everything um, every time they turned around. So I did get up and step away a little bit, and I you know I'm an author, and so I like to see. Um, I always, I can't help it. I check to see if people have my books in, in the library. Mark now, Love, who go is ahead. This? No, Some... wait, Amy, Amy, Mark Love, go ahead. Uh, a question that could go for either Amy or Jules. <laughs> Has there been any changes in library staff or in like a cleaning or a maintenance service that have occurred recently? I think that would be a director's answer. Jules, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, nope, it's just me and Amy that take care of everything. We run everything in ship shape and uh... so ship shape that, you know, a manuscript was stolen, but what who am I to point that out? <laughs> Y'all had read my book, The Way of the Antiquities, the Antiquities, you would know that people steal stuff like this all the time. All the time. Oh, yes. But nobody's oh, so you would know book. all about that then, huh? Yeah, that, that's why I look at this library and I, I know that there, there's something wrong. You guys need to, uh, your, your grouchiness, or actually Amy's grouchiness. Is, it's <laughs> me? Yeah. One, two floors? How many floors? <laughs> Maybe Three there are five. five. It's a small <laughs> library. Marianne, Mary go ahead, ask your question, Marianne. It's yes. only one story. I I have a question for the creepy guy, um, <laughs> Mr. Smith, Andrew, who's always lurking around the, the library. Um, this is a small library. 
what made you pick this library since you're way out in Tennessee or somewhere else? Why did you pick this library? And it was I don't that. And if we, if you catch the show, you know the the uh, the picker shows that there are lots of places that you can look for antiques in the area. And my book, The Way of the Antiquities, will show you of how to make money with that and how to understand the things that are worth money. Well, you know, it'd be really great, you know, if you actually let people look at your book. But when I tried to look at the book, you know, when you were shoving it in my face, you wouldn't actually let me look at it. So how would we know any of this information that you I, say? I suppose I, you know, I, I have my one copy with me because I sold all the rest of them at the last library. It's rough to do that. <laughs> oh, but, well, well, I'll get, get you a link to order it. But I don't think anybody invited him here. And I usually do a fundraiser for uh, the library once a month. And and I usually talk to Julie about that. And I neither one of us, I think, invited him. So we're just wondering how he got here and what he's doing, just kind of lurking around. It was just on my way. <laughs> that is not how things are done. I, I know many authors who lurk in libraries. I don't see this as unusual behavior. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you folks, but when they're they take guess. pictures of the computer screen while people are talking. <laughs> Did anyone else notice that? <laughs> Mark, Mark Love, go ahead. A, a question for Chloe, because you were checking to see if the library stocks your books and stuff. What genre do you write or are you currently working on that would lead you to hang out at this suspicious center of knowledge here? Well, I write, um, I write romance and romantic suspense right now. Um, and I, I'm an author and so I can't not work no matter what I'm doing. And, um, I, I travel a lot and um, I have ex-military buddies all over the world. And so um, when I'm there, uh, I generally tend to bop into the closest library and spend a few hours working so I don't, um, you know, intrude too much on my hosts. Nice. I, I don't I don't see any possibility of romance between these other suspects, but I with, with a name like love, I don't necessarily know anything about it. I just <laughs> curiosity. Mark McCraw, go ahead. So Deborah, being a reporter, why would you just take pictures? Because usually a reporter likes to snoop like to look inside the book and why just take a picture of it when you're you know your boss may want you to take a sneak peek well you know it was for my own personal blog that i do and all i needed was a picture i knew enough from research and everything else about what it was about and how rare it was and everything else i just needed the picture mm, okay gotcha so you knew that not only did the book contain genealogical information, but it also contained maps and information that led to supposed riches of rubies and emeralds and gold? No. Nope. sounds like there's more than one person besides me who's got a lot of interest in this particular book. Yes. I see I, why you I do think now. It's, mm -hmm. I think it's Julie, because I know Julie said she doesn't remember what book she was reading. But I'm pretty sure she was reading that book 
because when I passed her table, I could see maps and things of that nature, uh, odd uh, language, and she was very engrossed in it. She wasn't talkative <laughs> like she is usually. And this that was very, like the I, day before. I, I need to bring to your ah. attention that Christopher has made a very valid point. He thinks we should forego the trial and throw all of you in jail. He's <laughs> got places to sell my book. Yeah. I, ain't, no. I ain't going to jail. Prison romance. Guilty prison until romance proven. could be big. <laughs> Guilty until proven innocent. Prison romance. That, that's start a book close. club. Um, Ruby, we have not heard very much from you today. I'm finding this a little bit uncomfortable. How many of our minds are you reading tonight? <laughs> I was honestly plagued by so many thoughts that I had to keep quiet in order to actually clear my head. I did, however, consult with my cards today. They have suggested that I make an offering to you as far as information. And uh, Melissa, they have asked me to tell you to search into your past as well as your origin and genealogy. That is all I can say on the subject at this moment, though. Interesting. That's a very curious turn. Go ahead, Mark Love. And I'm then just, Mackenzie has one in the chat, just so you don't have to. I was just going to read what Mackenzie okay. had. In yep. the chat Go ahead, here. Mark, read it. It's to Miss Melinda. If you know the manuscript contained maps to treasure, what's to say you didn't steal it to find the treasure and then paid off Miss Nelson not to tell? <laughs> yeah, was that blood money? Do you really think that there's that much money in my checkbook? <laughs> of the treasure. I have five kids. This could be a down payment because then if you find the actual treasure. And Christopher Christopher said he would like you to produce your checkbook. So think about bringing that into the room tomorrow. Evidence is everything. Everybody, we have come to the end of our interrogation time. Thank you so much for your Not enough question. time, not enough time. It's not, not enough, enough time. But we've got the rest of the month. Take your time to think about what you learned today. Go back and uh, watch the replays to... Um, to, to gain more intense scrutiny on this interrogation process. Remember the festival lasts for 27 days. You have lots of time yet to uh, come up with the solution and sling your accusations. We will be receiving accusations on the website. Um, and again, uh, I, the, 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 the uh, eldest, how do I say this? The eldest, um, accusation, the one we receive latest in the month from everybody is the one that we will accept. So don't sling your accusation until you truly know. Okay. Can you say that again? <laughs> I don't think she can. Not if I try. Without hurting yourself. Are, are, are you saying that if somebody knows early that you're going to accept the later one, if they're both right? If they change their mind, yes. If you change your mind later in the month, it's the later in the month one that I'm going to accept. The, the last one you submit. Okay, is that when makes more sense. 
Okay, see? I was, I was sitting there trying to understand what you were saying. And it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't two plus two equals four. It was two plus she two. She doesn't do math, three. remember? I know. <laughs> Thank I you. But, but the English was suffering there too for a second. Oh, <laughs> you know, you, the, the interrogation process just puts me in a tizzy, and I have a really. Um, challenging time to come back from that. It's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult for me to to put up with, um, you know, to recover from you guys and your intense questioning. It's it's just a lot. Ooh, intense questioning. That's so cool. I like it. We are also playing a scavenger hunt game again. I need. I'm going to do this for 28 days because he was astounding. Thank you, Riddle Master Jacob Bullen. If not for him, these oh, riddles oh, oh. would not absolutely. It, <laughs> every day there's a new riddle door to open. Open it. Look. Um, make sure you read it very carefully. The clues are there. Um, at on on the last day, you're gonna get. Um, you can't see it very well, but down here in the bottom, there is a story riddle that you will get on the 27th. You have to use all of the clues from the month to complete the story riddle and get your final answer. The entire form has to be complete and accurate to be entered into our wow. prize drawings, and we are giving away ebooks and we are giving away $25 um, Amazon gift cards and we are giving away all sorts of other really fun things so again take the month that's a long series of clues what is it, it is it's like 52 clues like a super califragilistic expialidocious. <laughs> well, the, the, the last day there is a story that has empty spots in it, and you have to take the clues that you got throughout the month and put them in the empty spots to get the final answer to the last riddle. That's how the game is played. If you have any additional questions, um, I, I'm sure that if you open the story doors, I mean the riddle doors um, on the scavenger hunt page, it will become very clear to you how we play that game. What is that? Godzilla God Madlibs? Godzilla <laughs> Madlibs. No, we're not not this time. Maybe maybe next festival we'll do Godzilla Madlibs. Okay. <laughs> maybe. Just check it. That's important. Godzilla Madlibs around. All right, here we go. I'm going to update everybody on the author fingerprint contest. This is the most recent um, casebook that we have on fingerprints. As you know, authors are collecting fingerprints as they invite people into the room. If the witnesses name them as the pre person who referred them, they collect points, fingerprints in this case. Um, as of yesterday, in yesterday's uh, uh, session, Jules Nelson collected the most fingerprints. She got 16 yesterday in one day. So that's kind of super fun. Here is the latest tally on the leading detectives on our leaderboard. Jules Nelson has 21. Angela Vargas has 19. Andrew Smith has 16. Deborah Reed has 15. And Marianne has 15. The Fingerprints are just everywhere. CSI has been very, very busy collecting fingerprints. And Marianne has 15 or 13? 13. Uh, 13. Marianne is 13. Yeah, 13. And it's okay. uh it, it's tough for CSI to do math. So got it. 
<laughs> okay. Um, the final last little piece. Well, uh, yeah, the final piece we're going to do not tonight. We're going to do one more thing, but the final piece we're doing tonight is the spinning wheel of happiness. This is where you get your nightly loot. Um, if your name comes up on the spinning wheel and you are a winner, you need to mail email to me at diana at pagespromotions.com your mailing address so that the authors can send out your books. Um, just top of mind, Jennifer, you and I will connect later. I will send you an email about how we're going to handle books coming from Australia. Okay. Uh, I thought email. Yep, yep, we're gonna, I, I, I have, I have a, a better solution, so. Okay. All right, um, so again, if you um, don't claim your prize within 24 hours, your prizes will be tucked back into the loot bag and they will be given away on the final night of the big reveal. Everybody understand how that game is played. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, while I prepare the spinning wheel, we are going to, I decided just last night to start something new, which is the um, we're every night we're going to have a question and we're going to do um, lightning round. Lightning round means fast, right, guys? Fast. Mm -hmm. um, so while I prepare the spinning wheel with any last minute um, pieces, here's the lightning round question for tonight. As a reader, because everybody in the room is a reader whether you're an author or a reader, if you're not a reader and you're an author, we have to have a sidebar conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as a reader, I want everybody to go through and tell me what you feel is the strongest hook to get you re to read past page one. What is the, who's honking? It, it's the puppy. She has this toy uh, pig. Oh, and... Piggy, I got one of those. My dog. I'm yes, sorry. The dog. I'm trying to figure out what the noise was. Okay. <laughs> Levi left me alone with her. I'm supposed to keep her occupied. Um, got it. No problem. Yeah. Okay. okay, so here we go. We're going to go lightning round. What is the strongest hook to get you to read past page one in a book? Mark McCry, you're first. Illustrations. Okay. Uh, Marianne Whelan. Sky. Usually something um, like dialogue or something really catching on the first page, something dynamic like the first paragraph outlines something that really catches my attention. Usually something like dialogue. Dialogue usually catches my attention. Awesome. Jules, what's the thing that catches you? Uh, usually, honestly, it's the back of the book. Um, if it catches my attention, then I will read past the first page, even if the first page doesn't catch my attention. But usually the back of that book is Back I... matter, the all-important synopsis, the dreaded synopsis. We all hate them. Okay. Uh, Mark Love, what about you? Realistic characters. Awesome. Somebody I can relate to. If it's somebody that's Mr. Perfect, that does everything and has never made an error in his life, I just want him to be the victim. <laughs> are you trying to kill me off again, Mark? Every chance I get in. <laughs> See how you are. If I Deborah, had feelings, they'd be hurt. Deborah Harris, what is the thing that grips you about reading a book? Uh, 
usually just something really dramatic happens like in the beginning just catches your attention it's just like boom and then you got to read to find out what's going to happen next it's just so that inciting incident is the first thing yeah. to get you awesome angela what about you what's the thing that grabs you in a book emotional connection whether it's making me laugh cry one of those awesome awesome um who's next on my screen amy um well i think mark kind of stole mine but characters if you really bond with a character right from the beginning you care enough to read more that's a big thing right. awesome uh melinda what catches you first about a book throw me in the middle of it right from the get-go make, make me make me invested and wanting to know who are these guys and how did they get involved in this mess awesome Chloe, what about you? I like something different. I don't want to read the same old things with just a different name. I want something weird. I want something that I've never read before. Okay, Christopher. That first paragraph, it's got to say something like, hey, I'm unique. You're going to want to read me. If I can read that first paragraph and stay interested, you got me. Okay, Deborah. Um, kind of like Melinda, something that will throw me right into it, but that creates mystery so that you're kind of taken aback and going, yeah, how in the world did this get here? And yep, you got me. Okay. Ruby, what about you? Uh, two things. I need to be thrown into the middle of it and it needs to be uh, well-written because if you throw me into the middle of 9-11, but you can't describe it well, I'm going to lose interest real fast. Got it. Emma, what draws you into a book? Character. Character in action. Okay. Gary, what about you? Unique perspective. I, I, uh, I have to have something that I want to follow the character. Okay. Jennifer Reigns, what about you? What drives you uh, to pick I think up a I'd, book? I, I think I'd have to say character in action with fiction. Um, I've read a lot of nonfiction over years, and then it's the topic um, that's got me. I've just got to shut the window. The garbos are passing. Okay. <laughs> Jen, Jen Rinaldi, what about you? The character has to be well-spoken. I have to be invested in the character and the story. Otherwise, I won't read past the second page. Okay. Andrew. Me? Yeah, uh, you. Uh. You know, I read it even if it's bad, but uh, in <laughs> last year there were a couple that were bad, uh, but uh, I, I like something that gets me into the middle of it pretty quick with good action, but I want it to be realistic dialogue and realistic uh, descriptors. Uh, if you baffle me with your massive vocabulary, I get annoyed. <laughs> and if you, if you can't relate uh, to what goes on on a daily basis in a common way, I, I get annoyed at it pretty quick. Okay, Betty. Betty, what about you? Oh, you have to turn your microphone on. We can't hear you. Muppet. I like action. Okay. Preferably a murder. In the book, yeah. I hope. <laughs> read, read, read Andrew. He'll give you lots of dead bodies. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll kill somebody for you every few chapters, just, just for fun. Uh, Mandy Joe, what about you? I like to know, I, I want it like really descriptive because I want to be able to put myself right in where they're talking about and what they're doing. 
Awesome. Preethi, um, you can turn on your microphone if you'd like and answer this question, or you can answer it in the chat. Your choice. Yeah, so um, for me, it's the book's vibe. I should see the book cover and back story, the back, uh, you know, the description, the blurb at the back. And sometimes I feel like the book chooses you, you don't choose the book. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> see how much fun lightning rounds are, you guys? <laughs> Super fun. Um, and yes, Mark, we are going to make t-shirts. I think it's a good idea. Uh, all right. Okay, here we go. We are going to spin the wheel of happiness. This is, and look at that, three minutes. I'm stunning myself today. Okay, so spiel, spin number one and our spinning wheel of happiness is going to be Chloe's book, A Boy and His Dog. We're going to spin for that one first. The second one is going to be Betty's book, Gangster in Our Midst. And Again, if you win, send me an email at diana at pagespromotions.com with your mailing address within 24 hours so I can send it to the author so that they can get your book out to you. Okay, now I'm going to share my screen again and make sure the sound is turned down because sound <laughs> is important. Thank you to Andrew for helping me through that technical thing. You okay. fixed it. I believe so. Can you all speed, see the spinning wheel of joy and happiness and love and, yep. and good. Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. Chloe's book first. <laughs> ah, look at that, Betty. Give away a book, take home a book. That's how this world works. Okay, now we're going to give away Betty's book. Here we go. Thank you. All right. Absolutely fantabulous. I am so thrilled you guys are coming out every night, playing our games, having a good time with us. Does Andrew, did I forget anything tonight? Forget to say hi to Pepper. No, no, we said <laughs> no, everything is good. Okay. I am I am always um, in need of a sanity crew, and <laughs> and there are particular authors here tonight who help me with that. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, I, for keeping me sane. I did forget to say thank you very much to Christopher for taking his time with us. I know that he's uh, jet lagged, but thank you for being here. We always appreciate you, Christopher, and we missed you on the first day. Wait, wait, Absolutely. wait! I'm still conscious. <laughs> this hey, is all energy. just one crazy dream how many uh, is there a third eye up here if not you're conscious <laughs> all right uh, and christopher we hope to, to, that we will continue to see you as the month rolls on Gonna try. Um, yeah that would be awesome okay um, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It is now eight o'clock. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for your fun. And we're going to do it all again tomorrow night. Watch for the replay to be posted tomorrow morning at <laughs> nine o'clock. Um, and don't forget to play the scavenger hunt game. Good night, everybody. And thank you. Good night, thank Good night you. everybody. Good night. Good night.